Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, thanks for listening. Our guest today is Brian Wojciechowski, MD, who practices medical oncology in Delaware County, Pennsylvania at Riddle, Taylor, and Crozer Hospitals, and also serves as BreastCancer.org's medical advisor. A native of South Philadelphia, he trained at Temple University School of Medicine and Lankenau Medical Center. Dr. Wojciechowski is a sought-after speaker on the topics of medical ethics and the biology of cancer. In this What My Patients Are Asking podcast, we're going to talk about stories in the popular media about using fenbendazole, a drug used to deworm dogs to treat cancer. Dr. Wojo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, I personally have used fenbendazole to treat one of my dogs who had hookworms. And in our stage four metastatic breast cancer discussion board forums, uh, some people have been talking about using that drug, fenbendazole, to treat cancer. In the stores, fenbendazole is sold as Panicure and safeguard, and it's used to treat a variety of parasites, as I said, including roundworms, hookworms, and whipworms in dogs. And I think there are some studies in petri dishes that suggest fenbendazole might have anti-cancer properties. I don't know of any studies done in people. I did uh, kind of a quick search. So uh, can you tell us, Dr. Wojo, a little bit about this drug? What does it do in the body? And I guess what I'm thinking most importantly is, is it is this really safe for people to be taking? Yeah, there's a lot of good questions wrapped up in there. And I will just start by saying that fenbendazole is a drug that I was already familiar with because I've given it to my dog like you have. Um, it's it, The technical name for the drug is, uh, well, for the class of drug is anti-helminsic. A fancy way of saying that it 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 kills worms. It kills worm parasites in dogs. I think what happened was a couple of years ago, uh, it was accidentally noted that this drug had anti-cancer properties, and it's it's actually a really interesting story and a really interesting drug. Uh, because the first time I heard about it, I I thought to myself, oh my goodness, okay, people are taking. Uh, you know, dog medicines now, you know, what, what's, what's going on with this? What, what kind of crazy stuff is this? Um, but then I did some investigation, and, and it turns out that this drug actually has a feasible uh, mechanism that, that it could actually have anti-cancer properties. It turns out the way it works is it, it inhibits microtubules. And microtubules are basically part of the skeleton of cells. Uh, they hold the cells together and basically keep them inflated and, and and provide structural support to cells. And, of course, cancer cells need need that structural support to, to survive, just like normal cells do. And this drug inhibits those, and that's how it kills these worms. Now, what was happening a couple of years ago, they did a study at uh, Johns Hopkins, and they had these mice that, uh, were, were, were completely immunosuppressed. They had no immune system. So these mice would be in, inoculated with tumors, and because there was no immune system, the tumors would grow easily in the mice, 
And then the researchers could test various cancer drugs against these tumors. So were they, were they testing fenbendazole against the tumors? No, actually, the fenbendazole, because it was an antiparasitic, was actually being given to the mice in their food. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, and they noticed that the ones that got this fenbendazole, the tumors wouldn't grow. So then they started testing and, you know, giving some mice fenbendazole and some mice didn't get fenbendazole and... Uh, and, and they found that there was a, that there was a real signal there that the fenbendazole seemed to be helping kill these tumors in, in these mice. Oh wow! Well, I have a question too. Now you said it's an, a, a microtubular inhibitor. Does it just inhibit the microtubules in the cancer cells, or does it go out and do things to healthy cells as well? I mean, how does it know? It doesn't seem to affect the healthy cells as much because cancer cells are growing rapidly and there's a lot of turnover with the microtubules. So as is the case with just about any cancer drug, it affects tumor cells more so than normal cells because those are the cells that are rapidly dividing and using the microtubules to a greater degree. So in theory, it should be fairly specific to the, the cancer cells, but I'll, but we're not really sure, and I'll get to that more in a little bit. So we have this study looking that there's potential in mice, but there have been a lot of studies with drugs that have potential in mice and then don't pan out in people because of side effects or, or other things. So is any research on people moving forward? Because I know there are like, I would be nervous about taking a medicine for a dog because I know there are certain medicines that I take, like ibuprofen, that would kill my dog. So I'm assuming that there's, you know, some of that same uh, problem going back and forth between species. That's exactly right. And the, the thing about it is the bottom line is that we don't have any good studies in humans. And mice... And pinworms are not simply tiny human beings. Right. Um, they are different organisms. And for example, the, uh, the the liver of the mouse may process the drug totally differently than the liver of a human being. And like you said, there's many drugs that have shown promise in mice, but have not really panned out in human beings. I mean, it probably happens every day out there. Where you know in, in in the lab when you're when you have mice and you're testing these drugs on mice, they show promise, and then when they finally make it up to human beings, very, very few of these drugs actually work in humans, and the reason is is because a human being with cancer is a very different organism than a mouse with no immune system right. Right, right. And I did you know when I was doing some research on this, I did come across a blog, uh, and I think this is where some of this, not all, but some of this started. So there was a man, you may have heard of him, his name is Joe Tippins, and he was diagnosed with metastatic small cell lung cancer, and his prognosis was bad. He had a very poor prognosis. So mm -hmm. according to his blog, a, a veterinarian told him about these fenbendazole studies and how it, it was killing cancer cells in mice, and Joe figured, he had nothing to lose. He had a poor prognosis. He had metastatic disease. Let's try it. And so he started to take it. 
he's still taking it as far as I understand from his blog, which I just checked last week. Uh, he's taking it as maintenance. And according to his blog, he has no evidence of disease. Now, I can imagine for anyone who's been diagnosed with metastatic cancer, this is a hugely, hugely powerful story. Um, but I guess, you know, I, you know, as we said, you know, we don't know the side effects in people. And I guess I'm also wondering, you know, Joe had small cell lung cancer. And I guess I'm wondering, is it possible that that particular cancer is possibly more susceptible to fenbendazole than breast cancer? And I ask that because it seems like several, a lot of most of the new immunotherapies that are coming out seem to work so well in lymphomas and lung cancer, but they don't really work that well in breast cancer. So I, do we yeah. do we know anything about that? And if we don't, that's fine. I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, small cell lung cancer metastatic is a devastating disease. And on average, people live only about nine to 12 months with that particular cancer. But every oncologist has seen a small percentage of people, say maybe 5%, who live, you know, up to five years with this disease. And there could be a lot of different reasons for that. Um, you know, some, every, you know, even within small cell lung cancer, uh, ev everyone is different and everyone will respond to different treatments in different ways. So, you know, the one possibility, of course, is that the fenbendazole works. Okay, we can't we can't discount that possibility. Um, the other possibility is that the other chemo drugs that he was on, which may also have antimicrotubule activities, for example, Taxol uh, has antimicrotubule activities just like uh, fenbendazole. So, if he was on that drug, you'd have to ask the question, well. You know, maybe it was the Taxol that did it, which has similar properties. Um, you know, so it, it, it's hard to know for sure. You know, I'm not his doctor. I don't know the details of of his case. But my patients ask me about these sort of things all the time. And, you know, I, I'm not going to stand in anyone's way. I'm not going to say you can't take X, Y, or Z medication. But on the other hand, people ask me for, for my advice based on my experience and expertise. And when patients ask me about these things, my answer is it usually goes something like this. Well, it hasn't been studied in human beings, so we don't know if it helps, but almost as important, we don't know if it's harmful either. Mm -hmm. So I would never want to recommend to my patients anything that I was uncertain about, especially when there are other medicines and treatments which we do have good studies and we do have a lot of good data and information as to whether or not it helps and what the side effects are. Okay. Now, are any of your patients that you know of taking fenbendazole? No, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Because I guess I was just wondering too, and we probably don't know the answers to these, like, can you take too much of it? I mean, there's really not a human dose. I know what the dose is for a 50 pound dog. Um, and yeah. and the, I guess the other thing too, I wonder is what are the interactions with anything else someone might be taking? 
we have no idea. That's the problem. We have no idea. And, you know, the, the, the first principle in medical ethics is do no harm. Right. So as a physician, I'm going to want to really be able to understand what the potential side effects are for my patients. So I'm not likely to recommend this drug for my patients right now, even though it is a very interesting drug with a mechanism of action that could have some potential. Um, And it's not unheard of to discover chemo drugs or other drugs sort of serendipitously or by accident in this manner. Mm-hmm. Uh, cisplatin is one of the most uh, important chemotherapy drugs. And, you know, that was discovered accidentally when a scientist was studying the effects of electric fields on cell division. He found out that when he turned on the electric field, the cells stopped dividing, but the electrodes were made from platinum. And it turned out it wasn't the electric field that was causing the cells to stop growing, but it was actually the, the, the platinum that was being released into the solution. So, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is a very interesting drug with an interesting and maybe even feasible mechanism of action. But until we have the studies in, in human beings and we know if it really works or if it and, and whether or not it's safe, I just can't recommend it. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. And I guess I'm wondering too, do you know of any studies that may be looking at fenbendazole and cancer in people is i mean are are people talking about it or considering it you know i don't know any studies specifically that are looking at that right now okay okay so in your opinion and i don't want to put words in your mouth but it sounds like you are not recommending this to your patients now and it's really kind of a we need to wait and get more information that's correct. And, you know, the other thing is we do have chemo drugs out now that if, that target the microtubules just as fenbendazole seems to do. So, you know, if a patient asked me about it, I would probably go in that direction. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Woj. I really appreciate your insights on this. This is going to be very helpful. You're welcome, Jamie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the BreastCancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.